Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 24th. Carter Elliott in the building. Greg Waddell in the building. How you doing, my friend? It's uh, it's officially halfway through the week before your team plays for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, I, I'd be lying to you, though, if I – and I don't know if we're supposed to bring up personal things as we start this, but I came with a great first birthday party idea, and it just did not get the reaction that I wanted. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up. I just think it's insane energy. So I opened the Zoom call this morning, and you know, normally as friends, as colleagues, as coworkers, sometimes we just greet each other with the office banter that you would expect across a Zoom call, right? Like we have to do that, even though we're boys. And uh, you know, you never know what to expect. Sometimes it's a little joke. Sometimes it's a little like. Real personal check-in. Cart just hits me this morning out of the blue with, so I had a, a thing. I think at Murph's first birthday, you should do a Murph and Turf theme. And I just asked for a little follow-up. Like, what, what would the entrees be? What would the hors d'oeuvres? What would the activities be in the Murph and Turf theme? You have nothing. I mean, I'm working. I'm, it's it's <laughs> workshopping at this point. I mean, if you think about it, though, surf. So instead, so it'd be like water themed, like water foods, water theme. I don't know. So you want me with my family to do a seafood themed first birthday for my daughter when I've never eaten seafood and my father is deathly allergic. Okay. You know what? Those are details that slip through the cracks. I'm, I'll get back to the drawing board. I'm just saying the name, like the theme of that party slaps, like instead of surf and turf, it's Murph and Turf. I mean, Murph and Turf, I feel like you could have gone the other way where, like, there's turf games. Like, that would have been a much better angle. Like, Murph and Turf. Like, li- just literally, it's Murph and Turf. Or Surf and Murph would be a totally different concept. And, okay, see, that's why we're, okay, th- that's the thing. I'm throwing out the fire starter, and then me and you just keep striking it with a rock, and then it eventually ignites. Yeah, I just don't know why that's where your head is at on – well, today it's Tuesday when we're recording, but on a Wednesday morning for the show, like that just seems a little insane, right? Like, are are you okay? Do we need to do a personal check-in on your side of things here? Uh, you know, I'm good. I could have been better earlier this, like today, I could have been better. I did the classic, I'm going to do the dishes before I hop on the call, Didn't did not do them. So I had to end up reaching for like those. You know those those cups that you have in your cupboard that you that no one ever actually uses, but they're up there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like I grabbed that cup. Like I think Meg got this as a gift, like in college or something like that. It's a cup that says it's an add to cart type of day. And that <laughs> just had like, come on. Is that a play on words with like cart? Like it's an add to cart kind no, of this, this is a BC gift. Oh, okay. Got it. Nice. Um, so, huh. I'm just curious where you're at mentally right now. Cause like we said, a lot to look forward to for your sports teams. I would expect some like lock in type energy from you. Michigan state's in a good spot. Would expect some positivity energy from you. Instead. I feel like you're a little bit scattered. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to point too many fingers, but you told me you had a men's league game last night. Yeah. Now, normally when you have a men's league game, we all receive unprompted updates about your men's league games. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen as far as I know. And not only that, you told me the game started at 9 p.m. last night 
And at 9.05 p.m., you were firing off elite back-to-back jokes in our Scrapple group chat. So mm-hmm. what happened? Well, the game was at 9.20. Uh, those were fired off as I was in the parking lot um, checking some bets before I went in for the game. Uh, we played a bum-ass team. Uh, we won by, I mean, like 20-something. I got my stats. Nothing to write home about necessarily. Um Summer Sand, I'm on a three-game win streak. And the classic phrase is act like you've been there. And I love responding. Like, I, I've, I've never been here. So I don't really know how to approach an NFC championship game. I'm learning as I go. But I'm hoping that I'm peaking by Friday and I'll be ready to just go full go into the weekend. What's the last loss you've taken? You're on a men's league winning streak. Your Michigan State Spartans are winning games. Lions are winning games. Yeah, the last loss I took was ooh, either the loss at Northwestern or when I was shoveling snow and I slipped. You want a sleeper's bet against me? Like, yeah, I mean, okay, but now also, like, doesn't this have to come to an end eventually? I don't know. I don't know. I would just, you know, I, I, in the case of a future, I don't know, maybe like a round three one-on-one event, maybe like keep some mental notes on the fact that you can't lose right now. That could maybe be a point in your favor. Speaking of that, I'm loving the I'm loving the growth. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting yeah, there. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm going to need to send you my schedules of when I host After Dark and other things so we can find the, the best seven-day cast. you showed up with the Braden Smith to After Dark, that would be hilarious. We can find the best seven-day gap soon. Let's start with the Carter Elliott YouTube comment of the day. Car, what do you got? I'll pull that up right quickly here. Where was it? See, this is why I should screenshot. You know, I'm going to pick this comment because – I think that our good friend, friend of the program, you see him on his channel all the time, the feature of Riley Fridays, Bluffs Fridays, as some refer to it. We actually have a negative Riley comment in our YouTube comments. This might be the first one ever, and I feel like I got to read it because of that. Riley Davis is a clown. Same clown who said Hubert should be fired. I don't know how I feel about that. And someone liked it, too. No, I know how I feel about it. I hate that. I don't like that. That's not good. That's not acceptable. That's not going to happen under our watch. Yeah. And it came from Who Wants It? And he has a Meek Mill album cover as as his uh, profile picture. So he's a menace. So we're not going to combat him too much. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to let him know he's wrong. Yeah, he's wrong. Um Riley, another person who's just winning a lot right now. Um, Riley, I can always look forward to Riley's Elliot Cadeau tweet every game when he gets his nice little uncontested layup when North Carolina's already up 24. That's always a really high point for me to look forward to. Carolina's so good, man. We're going to talk about uh, a Carolina player more this episode, I believe, but they, they were just really good. Like, they were down a point to Wake last night and just destroyed them. I enjoyed your recap, by the way. Shout out to you and Riley for knocking that out last night. Good work. Yeah, good work. Um, Hey, somebody in a group chat, I think it was Connor Hope, said uh, the the Greg Sudeikis comment makes a lot of sense. What is that? I don't know. There was a YouTube comment, maybe a couple actually, that said like you're like it's uncanny that you look like Jason Sudeikis and they can't unsee it. I look like him. Yeah. Do you think I do? 
no. <laughs> Damn, I was about to get really hype. I feel like I'd love to look like Jason Sudeikis. I mean, I could see it kind of. I feel like Jason Sudeikis is like essentially the best case scenario be like a middle-aged white dad. Like, how do you want to look as a middle-aged white dad? I would love to look like Jason Sudeikis for the next 20 years. See, I think I don't – I the only reason I'm not giving it – I'm not going there with it is because if you did look like Jason Sudeikis, I feel like I would have pulled that out way earlier than the actual comment. And I did find the actual comment from Owen Miller. It says, dang, who knew Jason Sudeikis knew so, knew, knew so much about college basketball? Impressive. That's funny. I'll take it. I'll take it. I guess I that you know what that feels good. Feels good. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, do you want to address the people in your mentions real quick? The the last 24 hours, uh, my entire online experience has just been you in the mud with I think Illinois fans that are upset with you after you yeah. gave some love to Jeremiah Fears and Merez Johnson. Um, what's going on? Uh. They're, I think they're basically upset because when we made a video probably about three or so months ago talking about Jace Butler, and I made the statement, and this is what I said, word for word. I said, based on the film that I have watched at this point, I did not see Jace Butler being like a I, – I, I just didn't see it. I didn't see – I saw him as a four-year guy maybe, but I didn't see like Big Ten contributor level player. Now, fast forward to three months later – Jace Butler has shot up the rankings. He's now a top 100 kid. I think he's somewhere in the eight between 80 and 100 range. Um, he has he has improved for sure, but everyone was just kind of just just shitting on me because I said that. Um, and then it was just funny because the tweet they originally replied to, I was saying like Jeremiah Fears and Morez Johnson is a needle mover for the Illini. The future looks great. That that was a tweet. And that's how I felt. And then it became, uh, you didn't give Jace Butler his credit. You went on and on about the trajectory of the recruiting of Brad Underwood in Illinois, da, 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 this and that. And the third, I'm just like, like, I, I just, sometimes I don't have the the time or the energy for like this, this nonsense. See, but you, you have a thin line between like, you don't have the time for it and you do have the time to get in the comment section. You know, well, because because sometimes it can be ended very quickly. I have no issue being like, yeah, that's on me. I was wrong. Like, yeah, that's a bad take. I'm not going to take the bad take mantra for something that I don't think is a bad like it, it wasn't a bad take. I said at the time, based on the film that I have seen, I didn't see it with Jace Butler. Fast forward to right now. I see something there. But I mean, I, I don't know, like. I guess you guys got me. I, I didn't see Jace Butler as early as everybody else did. That's on me. I think you're blinded by the name Jace, to be honest, because you still say you don't see anything with Jace Richardson, and now he's the 23rd ranked prospect in the class. So I never uh, said I never said that though. That you never saw anything with Jace Richardson? I see it with Jace. Jace is just Which Jace? Richardson. You didn't previously. Now I'm in the comments. I'm not, I'm not trying to be in the comments, but we did the whole Jace Richardson commit video, and you were like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really see it." I'm, I'm about to get Papa J. Richard on my ass. <laughs> top. You he's see a it top, now? He's a top yeah. fifty player. He's a good player. No, now he's a top twenty five player. 
crazy. That's crazy. That's that's crazy to me. <laughs> it is. Um. Yeah. I, look, we never have a problem owning our bad takes. I think we've that's well established. It's well documented. There's tons of paper trail history of this at this point. The thing that cracks me up the most is just uh, like when someone will butt in. I think there was another commenter, not the original commenter, but it was like, man, like I'm a fan of the show, but just own your bad take, you clown. It's like we we do. We are actively doing that. We do that on a daily basis. So uh, I don't know. You have a lot of energy to put up with that, but I'm here for you. I want you to know that. Whatever you need, just say the word. And uh, Fam, by the way, uh, dropped a pin. He he sent the screenshot of the Lake Lansing Meyer parking lot. So uh, just say the word. We we have troops ready to duke it out in the parking lot of the Meyer in East Lansing. I can't wait for that. Should we move to the Discord for some comments? Please. Hey, speaking of the Discord, Brian Ralph joined this week. Uh, I think a lot of people have been joining this week, but we had a color coding issue where if you join the the welcome channel, you can't tell if they actually paid or if they joined as an unpaid member. And if you join as an unpaid member, you can't see anything. If you join as a paid member, you can see everything immediately. But your name is normally how we tell if you have gotten over the hump or not. And all the names this week have been showing up as just white. So I think there were a bunch of people joining as paid members that like snuck in and nobody realized Brian Ralph was one. Cause all of a sudden I realized I could tag Brian Ralph in the general tab last night. And uh, I want to give Brian Ralph a shout out. He checks CBB. You've seen him on a bunch of the previews and recaps that we've been doing on the show all season long. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable men in the business, the Ralph report that he does a couple times a week is always one of my favorites. Always learn something new. Um, he had a great breakdown on what was up with Purdue. Why are they looking different in conference play? And uh, the home versus away splits and how it affects them offensively and defensively was a fascinating piece that he did last week. So follow Brian Ralph. Uh, if you want to talk to Brian Ralph on a personal level, you can now do so in the Sleepers Discord. Uh, link is in the description of every video that we do. Any thoughts, Cart? Uh, the Ralph report slaps. Yeah. By the way. Like if you're a college basketball fan and, I, and you're not, I'm not saying you got to consume every single one but i would i would honestly recommend it the ralph report is top tier material so definitely tap into that also brian ralph looks like taylor decker so i'm throwing that out there as well for all lions fans i don't think i agree with that i would if you're gonna go that route i would at least throw like the qualifier of like more handsome taylor decker i mean he's got the like ralph's got the beard he's got the dreamy eyes like it's Taylor Decker-ish. Yeah, I just I think like when you say like you look like Taylor Decker, I don't think most people would consider that a compliment. So I would I would add the qualifier. Lineman. I just don't like. There's handsome linemen also. Like I don't think Taylor Decker is like the model lineman, right? Like Jason Kelsey's sexiest man in America right now. That's not Taylor yeah. Decker. What we're going to do is we're going to get to the Discord because what we're not going to do is have O-Lyman handsomeness discourse. Well, it's just, I, I think you're, you're cutting Ralph a little short is all I'm saying. <laughs> I also think there's a there's a conversation to be had about how we could build the Lions uh, offensive line from members of our Discord because you do kind of look like Panay Sewell. You do. That just meant so much to me. I know, I know. And right, if you're saying Ralph is Taylor Decker, we just need like a, I don't know. Someone's gonna say I look like Graham Glasgow, and I'm gonna get sad. Let's move on. If you let yourself go, you would kind of look like Graham Glasgow. I got six more days without my wife. We'll see how far I can let myself go this week. Because my my friend 
number one thing I realized about my wife is all the little things she does. She's an intangible queen in this house, man. You think like, like you think your wife doesn't do shit. She just like walks around going to work, coming home, going to the gym, reading, blah, blah, blah. No, like wife has everything on lock. She runs this shit like a ship. It's incredible. And now here I am trying to pick up the cracks as a solo pay. It's terrifying stuff. And uh, that means that my eating has gone. Like I'm, I'm not eating like healthy shit that Mal normally makes. Here we go. We got, we got one chips ahoy a day and a chicken tender Greg back. No, it's no chips ahoy. It's just like if it gets down to it, and I just got Murph fed, and now it's seven thirty p.m. and games are on. Like I'm gonna hit the DoorDash app more than I am like gonna craft up some handmade pasta. You know, I feel that and a salad. No, thanks. All right, let's go to the comments. Augie says, fun hypothetical here. What are the chances that Jeremy Fears would enter the transfer portal? If he does, would Illinois make a good landing spot for him to play with his brother? Card, do you think that's a fun hypothetical? No. <laughs> Who's that a fun? I'm I'm confused why that's fun for Augie as well, because Augie's a boiler. I think it's a fun hypothetical. Okay, well, you go ahead and participate then, because I'm not. I don't think it's fun. Well, I think you have to be the Fears family spokesman on the show um friend of the program a couple fierce family members we'll leave it at that uh do talk to carter on a personal basis which is lovely it's great so you you are privy to some feelings from the fierce family from time to time do you think jeremy fierce would ever transfer no i don't think so simple as that yeah simple as that i don't think so no okay Painters Petting Zoo alumni says Auburn has two road games this week and opportunities for their first two quad one wins. Auburn is a top blank team if they win both games this week. Ooh. Who are those games against again? I'm sorry. I, I, I missed that. The first one's Alabama. Uh, the second one is Mississippi State. And we're just talking like top like in the country because, I mean. They're fake right on now- Ken Palm right now. Uh, the the four ahead of them on Ken Palm are Houston, Purdue, Arizona, and Tennessee. North Carolina is one spot below them. UConn is one spot below them. Carolina and UConn are in the top four of the poll. Okay, so because I think saying top ten is a cop out for Auburn because I think they're a top ten team. So yeah, they, they already are top ten. Yeah. So if they win these two games, I would say they are the number in my eyes, like. Five, six, six team in the country. Five, fifth or six. Okay, I'm going to do the devil's advocate thing here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Auburn right now is a top 10 team in the country. I'm fine saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the thing. Uh, I'm going to just read in order the toughest games Auburn has played this season real quick. Okay. Uh, their toughest game was the opening night game against Baylor. They lost to Baylor. Their next toughest game was a home game against Texas A&M, which they won. Texas A&M is now 11-7, and probably on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, Their next toughest game after that was a home win over Virginia Tech, who is 11-7 and on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, After Virginia Tech, their next best win was Mississippi at home. Then USC. Then St. But like, they haven't played anybody. They haven't beaten soul it's been two months and they have not played a team that's going to be in the ncaa tournament other than baylor they lost so they're very good give them credit for blowing out a bunch of really bad teams but i'll be shocked if they win both of these games i'll be shocked if they win one of these games are they both on the road they're both on the road yeah Mm -hmm. um 
Ken Palm likes them to beat Mississippi State for the record. I I don't think they're going to be Alabama. We have to preview that game. But um, if they do win both, yeah, sure. Top five team in the country, no doubt. But I just – I think there's massive fraud potential here with Auburn. I just do. That's with any Auburn team, I feel like. That's part of the Auburn experience. Like, they can go from, oh, my God, I love this team, to fraudulent very, very quickly. And it's not their fault either. Like, Indiana was supposed to be a big game. USC was supposed to be a big game. Um, you know, they had Arkansas early on the road. Arkansas I mean, even even, even Texas A&M. I mean, uh, that, that brings up a whole, like, another, like, thing that we don't have to dive into deeply. But don't we have to more so look at what the game was at the time they played it? I mean, I get that. I get it. Like, you realize more about what teams are. But also, like, some of those teams, when they play them early in the season, they legit were better, and they just got kind of worse. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Texas A&M already was bad by the time they played them. Okay. But yeah. I guess that's a bad, bad example. But I'm just saying, like, in general, that always is a question I ask myself. Yeah. Just to give you an insight to my personal dialogue sometimes. It's very fair. I would love to be a tiny little man inside your head. Hell no, you wouldn't. I would absolutely love it. Uh, Travis Nelson says, brainstorming next year's lineup. Walker and Hall gone. Hogard and Mahdi also leave in this scenario. His starters are Jeremy Fears, Trey Holloman, Jay Nakins, Cohen Carr, and a transfer center. Huh? <laughs> a, a, a what now? Uh, the bench, Booker, sixth man, Kohler, backup center, Richardson, Tang, and Norman, wing depth, McCulloch, and Cooper in a limited role. I like this team's balance and roster construction a lot more than this year. We'll obviously miss Walker a lot. What do you think of next year's team? Mm. I think, like, looking at the possibility what coaches are, I think needs to do at a minimum. That would work. But that only adding one transfer, I don't think, is the move. Two is the move. Maybe even, I mean, I know three is getting aggressive, but I think I would add two. Yeah. Um, I would also, I, I would also, I'm not going to name names by any, by any means, but I would give maybe a, a player or two a nudge to explore their options too. Name your names. I would, I would give, I would implore some people to open open their open their you know who's some eyes. people because you got to keep a lot of these guys like who are the people open your you know open your wingspan and maybe <laughs> maybe explore options all right um yeah we'll see i don't know i know dk has uh hinted that he thinks they will actually hunt a transfer center next year I'll believe that when I see it. I just I'm not going to give Izzo the benefit of the doubt that he's going to do that because he had the same group. Like, isn't it much more likely he would ask Madi to come back for a fifth year than it is that he would go get a transfer center? Like, I don't really want to talk about that dystopia of a world, please. Okay, I just I, that seems a lot more likely than the pie in the sky. Like, we're going to get a star center. Like, ah, I don't know. Well, like, uh, and, and in, that, in that scenario. I would want Madi to be the center that stays, and I'd want the other center to leave. Yeah. that. But that's the other thing. Like, looking at Travis's projection, like, he has Cooper in a limited role with Booker sixth man and Richardson, Tang, and Norman as, like, rotation players. Cooper's playing a ton right now. So, like, I, 
I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing the guys that are playing a ton right now playing less next year for guys who aren't even playing right now for Michigan State. Like, it's much, much, much more likely the incoming guys that are not playing do not play big roles on this team. Like, if Xavier Booker and Cohen Carr did not earn big roles on this team, why are we projecting a bunch of new faces to be a part of this? I just, I, I don't think that's Izzo's way. Like, Carson Cooper's going to be in a role next year. I'd be shocked if he's not. Uh, I I honestly do think Mahdi will come back. That's where I'm at. If I'm wrong on that, I'll be wrong. Um, I could see AJ coming back at this point. I never would have believed that in the first place, but, like, isn't it more likely Izzo tries to milk the guys that he can get more years out of than it is, like, let's get a bunch of brand-new faces? I let the first part go. You took it too far. All right, let's, I guess let's just move on, man. We'll right. see. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts. Okay, let's look, look at me. Let's recalibrate. You you took that one a step too far, okay? AJ's been playing well. You took it, you took it a step too far. He's been playing well. Has he not? You <laughs> took it too far. Okay, there's tears forming in my eyes. Please stop. This this fan base swings so violently again. Either I'm way too nice to AJ or I'm way too mean to AJ. One of the like literally two weeks ago, you were this, yelling at me for not calling him a preseason all league player. Have I was yelling at you for that? I don't know about that. I think you got me mistaken for the lion. <laughs> this MF right here has never wavered on how he's felt. Okay, just let that be known. Notepad that. I have spent a little bit of wavering. Little bit. No, a little not, bit. Not a little bit. You used to love AJ. You used to a long time ago. Then like then that. you then you wavered into your current state. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> um super woke. That. Here's a comment from Super Woke. It's a long one. Um I'm gonna read it. Super woke left a couple ones here. Super woke is one of our uh beloved new users here in the Discord. But uh I, I'm not positive if Super Woke wants this read on the show as comments. So just for future reference, Super Woke, if it's something you want us to respond to, like in the moment, put it in the episode discussion tab. If it's something you want us to save and read on the show, uh throw it in comments and then throw a tag at Sleepers Media on it. But he says, if it's okay to disagree, then I hope this doesn't set off another rant by Greg. LOL. I am thinking the court storming comment may have been a brilliant move by Painter to utilize the media to make his players aware of just how dominant they have been over the last three years. Perhaps it wasn't a conscious thing, but more of an indication that Painter is becoming more intuitive about how media works and how it can affect player performance. I guess we have to agree that media can affect player performance. It certainly seemed that way in the first round of the tournament last year. Can you fault Painter for playing that game? Hate the game. Don't hate the player. Right. Uh, actually love this conspiracy theory. What do you think of this? I love the I love the theory. Didn't think about it like that. Also very fitting that this is super woke. That super woke's first comment is like a conspiracy theory. I feel like that fits uh, the narrative. Um, do I think that that's what Painter's doing? I personally don't think so. But I can see a world. You could make an argument. So my read on it was this. Uh, maybe there is a hint of genius behind it, of him trying to like get his players propped up in the eyes of the media and feeling overconfident or confident at all. Um, but it, it definitely was like it's not a conspiracy theory, or a conspiracy theory to say that part of what Painter is doing here was like trying to let everyone know just how dominant Purdue's been. Like that's 
that's the loudest part that I criticized of it is like there's I, I think I used the word like entitled or just like ego with it. Like there there was a huge tinge of like, well, my guys have every game we've lost for three years has been because we're so good, right? Like it's it's just ridiculous, dude. Like, okay, I remember my first three years at the top of the Big Ten. Like I, he's good. Purdue's great. And just Painter using a loss to Nebraska as the moment to be like, we're the only team that gets this. It was hilarious to me. So I don't know if that goes in line with what Super Woke is saying, but like it was absolutely a pre-planned move of like, I'm asserting my dominance in this moment in the press conference, which is what I was making fun of in the first place. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Sean Vowles says, is Kansas's final four hopes squarely on the shoulders of Johnny Furphy? Seems like it is. This this brings this brings up a great timing for this. Um, as we spoke earlier in the episode about, you know, my endeavors last night and hooping and doing whatnot. Before I hopped on the preview with Riley, I have a text to Gregory at 11.20 p.m. Kansas development. Furphy might be nice. Yeah. This is a this is a development. This is a, ma- a major development because I think it has led Kansas to be able to move away from El Marco Jackson, move El Marco Jackson to the bench, and kind of just let him figure things out coming off the bench. Um, and Johnny Furphy's been looking like a piece. And a, I think a five of Dewan Harris, uh, Furphy, McCuller, KJ Adams, and Dickinson is a really good five, and I really like that team. I like the, like the, I like the fit more than I liked it before. I think KJ Adams has proved a little things at the four and how he can work with Hunter with Hunter's ability to step out and shoot. But this is a major development for for Kansas. Um, now the next step in development is if you can get. Dwan Harris to stop putting up I think he's averaging like seven seven and six or something like that like if you could get him to be a little bit better than how he's playing right now I would get a little bit further on Kansas but Johnny Furphy being a piece is a, a major development for this team yeah Dewan Harris is just so frustrating um he's been, I, bad. I, he's been bad this year man and we were talking about like koozie award winner uh, best point guard in the country. He's like, honestly, like objectively he's been, or sorry, objectively might not be the word. I know we had a long discord discourse about that damn word and what it is, but for what I expected of Dewan Harris coming into the season, I think he's, he's been bad. Yeah. He's been too similar to who he was last year is the problem. Like there wasn't, there wasn't much of a step forward. Um, I think it, it's, it's just hard to play with a guy who's that tentative with his shot. Like he'll pass up like, pretty open layups to dribble out to the corner and then just reset the possession. I think it wears on his team as the game goes on. Um, but yeah, Furphy's huge. I, my favorite Furphy play last night was not any of his 20 points or 10 rebounds that obviously those are huge numbers, but um, he had a, like a, he helped contest like a help side forced a tough shot, grabs a rebound. And then he throws this huge, like, I don't know, just fluid, like almost barely looking full court pass ahead that led to a two on one break that Kansas scored. It was like a two point game, made it a four point game. He just he's he's comfortable is how he looks. And um, we've seen it a lot with first time college basketball players, no matter where they come from, 
it takes an adjustment period. Sometimes that takes a full year. Sometimes that takes no time at all. Sometimes it takes two months. It doesn't really seem like there's a lot of rhyme or reason for like when it clicks for certain guys. It feels like this week is when it clicked for Furphy because he was really good last game too. And now he's really good this game. Um, and if that is an every game thing, they definitely are a different team. I don't think they're necessarily a final four team. If Johnny Furphy is immediately good, because they still need depth. Like now they have five players instead of four players. That's still really iffy. And you're afraid of an injury. And one of those five is still Dewan Harris, who we're really frustrated with. So, uh, but it, it helps them a lot. It makes them a bigger factor in the big 12 still and uh, a much better team. Super woke has another long question here, Car. Um, I'm going to try and summarize this a, a little bit shorter than read the whole thing. He says, I'm curious how you guys think a fan base should act. I know this is anecdotal, but isn't all of sports commentary anecdotal? The Illinois fans that I know are always highly critical of their coach in football and in basketball. Shouldn't a fan base, for the most part, stand behind the decisions of their coaches? We do this at Purdue, and it seems to be paying dividends. Uh, do you think that fans should always stand behind the decisions of their coaches? Um, See, that's that's a whole other tangent we can get going on. It's like... I bring it back to this, one of the great sleepers sayings of all time. You got to be somewhere in the middle with it. Like, for me, I think it's okay to question a coach. And I hate people who are like, oh, like, what are you doing? Question the coach. He knows better than you. You know what? He does know better than me, but no one's above being questioned in my eyes, to be honest with you. And if you're able to go back and be like, okay, yeah, the coach was right, then it, it, it shouldn't matter to me. But to put it back in the Purdue perspective, I think they're somewhat scared to say that Painter's wrong. Like, no, there's nothing that he can do that is wrong. Literally nothing. Everything he says is word. Everything he says is Bible. It's cultish, and I understand it. And it probably leads to why, like, the Purdue fan base is so strong and great, and Mackey's one of the best home environments in all of college basketball. That plays a role into it. But it's also, like, a little bit sometimes cringy that – there's nothing that can be said about coach painter that can be negative in my eyes. It's the just, but also it's the same thing with MSU fans. Like there's people who look at Tom Izzo and literally call him the Pope. That's insane to me. Yeah. It's just fandom in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's like all, all things. This isn't just sports, but like there's extremes, there's extremists and there's people who are more in the middle. Like you and I, I think, tend to try and be um i think the only thing i i would push back at all on the purdue side of before i give my answer to super World's question is i do think lately we've been swept in the purdue dialogue so much and things are going so well for purdue that i feel like we're we're underwater in the sense that we would summarize it by saying like purdue fans think he can do no wrong the reality is like purdue's fan base is pretty smart and like they have been critical of Painter last March, they were really critical of Painter. So like there, yeah, there's a time and a place for it. And right now things are going well. So it's not the right time to criticize Matt Painter. And you and I have been vocally criticizing Matt Painter for some things in the last month. So we are on the wrong side of the coin on that. But um, in general, to Super Woke's question, I think I, I understand fans who would take the approach that I am going to support everything my coach does. 
and that they think that's part of what they signed up for. They think that's the best way to support their program. I have no personal problem with it. If that's the way you approach it, that is not the way I will ever approach it. That's not what I think the healthiest approach is. I, I wish that more fans could be critical of their own programs. I would actually liken it to this cart. Can I make a religious analogy for you? Please. So for those that don't know, I grew up in the Catholic church. I would still consider myself like a, a, a Catholic human being, maybe not a practicing Catholic human being. It's been a couple of years since I've been to mass, but um, faith is a part of my life to some extent. And I'm thankful that I was raised in that capacity, right? Everybody has to have their own beliefs. And there are people in my church, in my faith that I know that I love very closely who are like blindly follow the rule book. I respect that. That's totally cool. There's also like, let's be honest, there there are people that are put in positions of power in the Catholic Church and in other institutions that are bad people. Like yeah. that that happens. And uh, I have personal stories, like not to get too weird, but like I I have personal stories of like classroom lessons that were taught when I was in high school where like the message was taught by someone who no longer is employed by the church that was a really inappropriate like mean-spirited evil message that like stuck with me and I had to like draw a line of separation of like this is this institution that I'm I love versus this person is doing things wrong and that's much deeper and more serious than sports but it this it, to that that's what it is like Michigan basketball is my religion it's my religion I believe in Michigan basketball I love Michigan basketball I want the best for Michigan basketball Jawan Howard is an employee of my religion and he's a bad one. And he's he he is going to have a bad legacy here of where he did a lot of really, really bad things wrong. And it doesn't make me a bad fan to sit here and criticize the bad person in it and realize that there's something bigger out there. So was the bad person at Lansing Catholic Father Ant? <laughs> no, Father Ant was a good one. Oh, okay. No, yeah, we just had there there were weird times, man. Like yeah. We don't need to get too into it too politically. Yeah, I was about to say, I, as I'm, I'm the same as you up until high school. I went to a Catholic school as well, and looking back on it, some of, some of those things are like, uh, well, okay, yeah, just some things like, to, yeah, just some things. You get those stories. I'm sure our listeners have some stories like that too. But you gotta make your own decisions. That is what it is, and I respect anyone on either side of the spectrum. Not how I operate though. Uh, also, it would be a lot easier to just support everything my coach did if my coach was Matt Painter and not somebody else uh <laughs> tristan freeman who by the way was in attendance for joel Embiid's 70 points last night yes literally and he also caught a charlie horse on the greyhound bus on the way back, <laughs> which is just which is it's like the full spectrum of the christ of the tristan freeman experience and i love every second of it i love tristan so much i love him so much he uh i'm really happy for him he got to see that in person and i want to give him a shout out because i uh, He's. I feel like Tristan's on his own journey a little bit of what you and I did last year, where he's been at a lot of things in person this year, and he's been crushing it, and it's been fun to watch his coverage of it, and I know he's excited about it. But uh, man, it takes a lot of work ethic to actually go out and do all that, and uh, to see him not only doing it at all the various colleges in Pennsylvania, but now also, um, you know, the pro team, and uh, he picks a night where Joel goes for seventy. It's awesome. He says, uh, in honor of Wemby making a free throw to cost me free chicken, which player randomly suddenly became your biggest op out of nowhere? I really wanted that chicken. <laughs> Who became my biggest op out of nowhere? 
Uh, I mean, I did have a nice little spurt where Lance Jones was the biggest op on the planet for me, but I've I've swayed on that. Um, and it had nothing to do with Lance Jones personally either. That was just me being antagonized. But um, honestly, a couple players from Michigan State certainly become my eyes. But uh, I can't I can't think of one off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I feel like there's a better answer somewhere in my history that I'm not thinking of, but I have two that are ongoing right now. And for the record, I got the better of both of them. Uh, The first one would be Matt Stafford, who was my favorite football player ever. And right now he is absolutely an op man tarnished his legacy. He went out sad. He pissed on his own hall of fame plaque here in Detroit. Uh, Tough, tough, hate to see it. And then the second one would be Xavier Johnson, who made his way to our mentions in the summer unprompted for no reason and accused us of wishing injury on him, which we didn't, only to have the worst possible sixth-year senior season he could individually have this year. Yeah, that was nuts. It's tough. <laughs> that was nuts. Okay. Uh, this is not a player, but a person who became my biggest op out of nowhere, John Beeline, that rat. Uh, I will not ever forget that. I, I swear – you don't know this. This is actually true. I swerved my car off – into the median on the highway the day that I saw the John Beeline news driving to work. Like you hit the median or you pulled off on the shoulder? Like I, my car was in the median. <laughs> I had to drive back up. It was bad. No, like this is not a joke. Like I was, I got the Woj notification because this was out of nowhere. People don't really, like he wasn't interviewing. It was nothing public. Like I, I thought I was coming back to Jalen Wilson as a freshman and maybe I get year two Iggy Brass Dacus. Like my program was healthy friends. And, uh, yeah, I get a Woj bomb that he works for the Cleveland Cavaliers now. And, yeah, all of a sudden I looked up and my car was not on the highway anymore. That rat did it. That rat. He's an op. Um, Sorry, I feel like we're all over the place today. Malik Perry says, if Izzo does go into the portal and we have two spots open, a five and a three would be ideal. But if they are two-year guys, they have to be starters from day one if we get back trying to win banners. P.S. Aikens and Sissoko come back, maybe. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think we already touched on that a little bit, but I'm I'm game for if, – if a center comes back and a center leaves, I, Sissoko will be the center I want to come back. Okay. Uh, you want Jay Nakins back? Uh, yes, I do. I I noticed an uh at the top there. Yep, you did. Huh. Huh. Malik says, uh, Carter, will Malik Hall score double figures in points or not next game? Yes, he will, because Malik Hall's history shows that Tyler Wall is one of his biggest ops. That's a really funny op to have. <laughs> That's one of I mean he he turns it up when he plays against him. I'm not saying it leads to wins or anything, but like I, I would love to see it, it uh, it's probably wrong if you actually looked at the stats, but Malik Hall's career averages against Wisconsin. Yeah, Malik Hall in the home loss at the Brez to Wisconsin had a whopping two points on one for three shooting. Yep. With- Three rebounds. Yep, that may, and, and that's exactly why I'm me. <laughs> uh, do you have any comment on the Malik Perry might be Malik Hall allegations? He's not. You're positive of that? 100% positive, yes. I think that's one of my favorite conspiracy theories in the Discord right now. I, I have a conspiracy theory about Malik, but it's not him being a player. I do think that Malik Perry is a GA on Michigan State. Whoa. 
Talk me yeah. through that. I just think he's one of the GAs. That's it. I can't get any more like reasoning why. I mean the 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 defense of the program, the defense of the players, while also breaking down some player. I just feel like all his comments are timed around like when a GA would have his phone. He's had some really subtle like moments of brilliance that do make me think he's involved in the program somehow. Yeah. But the delivery is so not what you would expect from someone involved in the program. Is he so next? Oh, wow. Wait, that actually makes a lot of sense. Communication patterns are adding up right now. Yeah. Uh, Super Woke says, should the amount of minutes that Braden Smith is having to play be a concern? Um, I think so, because I was under the impression that the addition of Lance Jones was supposed to like help like take some ball handling kind of duties away from Braden. And right now I think he's playing a, a he's basically playing like 40 minutes a game at point guard. I think it's minutes for everybody being a concern. You uh you alluded to it at the beginning of the year that Purdue should not openly care this much about the regular season. And I don't know that I agree with you or not. I think they should play for banners and all that, but um, like right now they're playing guys like 35 minutes in games they're winning by 20. I don't think they need to do that, right? And I know like the metrics matter, like you want you want blowout wins so that things look good, but I don't know. To me, to me, I would try to keep everybody closer to 30 in that starting lineup and work in the bench because you have a really good bench. Ryan Lyon has a few matchup of the days here since he missed yesterday. We'll fly through these. Zadrunas Ilgauskas versus Zach Eadie. Edie. Edie. Uh Cheese versus every other topping. What's most important to a burger's identity? Yeah, I need cheese on burgers. So, like, I need cheese on burgers. I need cheese on pizza. Cheese is an integral part of – but I wouldn't, also wouldn't call it a topping. But, yeah, uh, cheese is integral to my food experience. Uh, yeah, with a burger, I would always choose cheese before anything else. Like I would eat a plain burger with cheese before I would eat a plain burger with onion or something. Yeah. Else. yeah. Uh, five foot nine Zach Eady versus me. Five foot nine Zach Eady. In what though? Like in a, in a fight or in basketball or what? Zach Eady. Come on. Like in ping pong. Isn't Ryan five nine? Well, like, you can't tell me you're just taking 5'9 Edie across the board no matter what the challenge is versus me. I think he's extremely athletic and coordinated. I do too, but like... Also, Ryan might be as well, but I don't know. I got nothing to show for that. Why Why are you going to Ryan? It's versus me. Oh, it's versus you? I thought it was yeah. Ryan. No, it's versus oh. me. Oh, I was wondering why you were... Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, it, it would depend on the sport, but like, I think Edie would get you for the most part. Is five foot nine Edie like quick though? Yeah, probably. He's got great stamina for his size. Yeah, I'm not worried about the stamina. Oh, I'm just really? like, we're all right. I don't know. I don't know. I in a in a physical fight, give me five foot nine Zach Edie because I I won't win a fight against anybody. But in like a contest or a game of some sort, I would think I could hang in some spot. Maybe like you probably get him in like ping pong. Darts. I don't think I'd get destroyed in basketball by a five foot nine Zach Eadie. I didn't say destroyed. I think I would still take Eadie. 
But like, what's isn't a five foot nine post player just not scoring? Like what five foot, what what five foot nine guy has ever scored on me in the post? Uh why is he posting? Can he shoot it? Oh, so now we trust Zach Eady's shot? Yeah, five nine Eady's shooting that thing. He has zero career made threes, man. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good one. Uh Fox versus Raccoon. Who is the better pet? Better pet? A fox. Raccoons are creepy as hell. Yeah, scary animals. Yeah, they got human hands. <laughs> kind of cute. But they got human hands. Yeah, that's the cute part. That's not cute. You don't like anything with human hands? No, like what what a mat no, I don't like anything with human I don't like any animals with thumbs. What other animals have thumbs? Raccoons, possums. Those are the only ones I could think of right now. Okay. All right. Noted. Travis Nelson's like, final comment dog, of the day. Dogs don't have thumbs. Final comment of the day. Travis wants the Lions to win on Sunday, but Carter needs to be humbled. Isn't Trav a Cowboys fan? I believe so. He's never made it this far. <laughs> we made it to the NFC Championship. <laughs> this is our first playoff series. <laughs> Let's get to the show. We're going to move to the show. Uh, I do want to know that I despise Carter's energy. And if there's one thing I am worried about for the Detroit Lions sake this weekend, it's Carter's. That's it. Like The Cowboys are going to have so many players participating in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I can't wait to see CD and dodgeball and Dakota in the skills contest. <laughs> Let's start the episode, Cart. Uh, goodness. This came from a conversation on our Discord last night. What one player do you want the most in the NCAA tournament? Uh, this came directly from us watching the North Carolina game, and a few of us were like, I think RJ Davis is the best guard in the country. That led to a debate on that. People had different answers. Uh, of course, we had the the Ryan the Lion discussion on it, how close is Tyson Walker versus R.J. Davis. Guy was throwing out Caleb Love. It was messy, messy conversation in a variety of ways. With that said, I want to just fixate on this. It's a tie game with 10 seconds left. If you could pick one player in the country to have on your team and you are on offense – what player are you picking? I want to get like three answers from you and three answers from me. Like, give me your three, two, one here. But ultimately, I'm curious who is the number one. So the first three that came to my mind are R.J. Davis, Terrence Shannon Jr. And surprise pick here, Zach Eadie's one of the guys. I don't get that guys. I love I I you know how I feel about it. I'm all about the guards in March. I get that. But also it is 10 seconds left, and I can just throw it up to Edie. They could put like four people on him. There's a great chance he catches and finishes. Yeah, we've seen that happen before pretty pointedly, yeah. right? Like just throw it up and there's a heroic last play, great pass from Mason Gillis or something. Yeah. yeah. Two honorable mention, probably 
uh, Ace Miss and Tyson Walker, maybe. I think those would be my other like honorable mention guys. I don't hate those. I don't hate those. It would be nice to have an all defense caliber guy um, in that spot, you know. But I, uh, to me, <laughs> uh, my my three is Zach Eady at three, Tristan Newton at two, like that. RJ Davis at one. Um, I can't. I can't really process why RJ Davis isn't getting more national discussion on him. And I think like people are talking about him. I don't want to say nobody's talking about him, but like, doesn't it feel like if RJ Davis was Caleb love and he was doing the exact same things he's doing that he would be like the national player of the year or like, or at least it would be like Edie or him. And it would be a big discussion. That's what it is for me. There's not enough. Edie versus RJ Davis for national player of the year talk going on for me. Like, I think Edie is the national player of the year, but when people say who's challenging him, the first name that comes up is usually Hunter Dickinson and Hunter's in that conversation. Like probably like the, the, the five candidates, top 10, whatever you want to say. But right now, RJ Davis is second or Terrence Shannon Jr. Second. Uh, well, Terrence Shannon Jr. missed time. So like RJ Davis is, is second to me and he's the best guard in the country. He's insane. He had 36 points last night against Wake. Watch the Wake North Carolina recap that's up on the channel with Riley Davis and Cart. But um, it's just it's baffling to watch because we talked about it in the moment of like if Caleb Love left, what if RJ Davis got really good? Like I want to see what RJ Davis looks like without Caleb Love, and what it looks like is five more points a game. He's averaging 21 points a game this season. 5% 5% better from three, shooting 42% from three, better from the field, 5% better from free throw. His assists are up. His turnovers are down. His fouls are down. His steals per game are up. Literally every single thing, every element of this game, the guy got better at. And you just watch him. It's not just the numbers. Like I found myself watching him in that second half against Wake last night where he was just unguardable. He had like 12 points in a, a four-minute span. And I can't imagine this NCAA tournament completing itself without RJ Davis making a run single-handedly. I just can't like, cause RJ Davis would be dangerous if he was just on a team by himself and you had to worry about that guy. But like RJ is so good right now. We're not even talking about Baycott and Ingram and like the other killers on this team. And it's a credit to Hubert and the team themselves that they've built it in a way that allows RJ to shine and lead the team to victories. But I just, I am putting my mind now, the calendar's turning to February soon. It's like, we're very, very close to filling out brackets. And when I fill my bracket out, I don't, I like, I just don't see it. Like I see ways how Zach Eady's team can lose. I see ways how even UConn can lose if Klingon's hurt. With RJ Davis, I'm just like that dude's gonna he's gonna make a Final Four. Like he has right. to. <laughs> They've rattled off nine straight wins, and I don't even necessarily think they're getting that great a play from Baycott. Like quarterback oh. Ryan hasn't consistently knocked down shots. Like there's another level for this UNC team, and I know people talk about like teams they don't want to see in March, and a lot of people are saying like they don't want to play the UConns, they don't want to play people throw like Houston, Kansas, Purdue. They throw UNC right now is the number one team that I would not want to see on my side of the bracket. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like really them, them in Kentucky probably are the two that come to mind right away. Yeah. I just, I would not, if I'm an opponent, I'm just like afraid. I'm afraid of seeing that man. I'm afraid of seeing the Carolina blue right now. Um, 
I like the Terrence Shannon shout from you too. I do. The only thing is I I don't think I put him on my list strictly because I want to see what it looks like on road games for him or road slash neutral games for him first. Um, I, I am concerned it's going to be really, really hard mentally for him and the team. Yeah. That that might translate to the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I agree. that's the only reason he's off my list right now. But uh, so we we agree both RJ at one. That's our answer. Yeah, I have RJ at one right now. Yeah. Okay. Credit to us for putting Zach Eady on the list, though. Yeah. Uh, can I push back for just real quickly though? Tristan Newton's been hasn't been as great this last like month. He's been good, but he's like you bad. still. But well, you're he's saying like you. But you're saying when it comes down to a ten seconds, like that's who you want. He's been bad. So he, here's where I'm at with it. Um, he, him and Braden Smith are going through the same thing right now where their shooting numbers have just fallen off a cliff. And Newton is more turnover prone, I'm pretty sure, than Smith is. Um, so in a lot of ways, he has been hurting UConn actively. Um, I can't get that Kansas game out of my head where he just like single-handedly yeah. dragged them. Like that, they should have gotten ran off the court against Kansas, and he just kept dragging them into the game with big shots. So, I'm with I'm with you on that. I'm surprised Dillingham because I would have. I'm surprised Dillingham didn't make any of our honorable mentions. It's too hard to do because, like, as much as we trust him, don't we also not trust him at all? <laughs> no, I trust him with my life. But isn't that the beauty of Dillingham though? It's like yeah. It's like it's I'm not saying I it's I trust him with my life and I'm willing to ride with the consequences and go down with whatever happens. It's it the no the not trust word isn't there. I trust yeah. that I trust that man. Yeah. I liked your Max Ace Michelle also, but then again, this is an exercise on like who you want in the NCAA tournament, and that requires getting to the NCAA tournament. That's very true. <laughs> uh also speaking of that, Tyson Walker, Michigan State was the last team in the field, according to Rocco Miller on fielding the sixty eight yesterday. I thought they were a ten seed though, right? Uh, on the consensus, yes. On Rocco Miller's bracket, it was his last team in. I I can't push back that much on that, to be honest with you. I would have to see what other teams he had in, though. That would that's what would probably upset me. But I, yeah, I'd uh, his last two were James Madison and then Michigan State. It's really interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? No. Respect uh, Rocco. Okay. All right. I love Rocco. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, I think this will be relatively quick, but um, Jeremiah Fears commits. Illinois, like we said, your mentions have been on fire. You try to give some praise to Brad and Illinois fans have been at you for not loving some of their other commits. But uh, you love Jeremiah Fears. We did the video earlier in the week on where is he going to commit. This is not a surprise to anybody. He ends up in orange and blue. Great player. And I also know you've gotten to know the Fears family personally a little bit lately. Um, how How is the Fears family feeling about this commitment? What are you expecting for uh, Jeremiah Fears in the future? Yeah, they're feeling really good. Uh, love the Fears family. Fears family are fans, listeners of the show, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, they're, this pickup for Illinois, I think, is going to be one that's going to be it's going to be really massive for them, honestly, because I picture a world when Jeremiah Fears gets to gets to uh, Champaign. And let's say you get year two of Merez Johnson, which I want to throw out there right now. There's a great chance Merez Johnson's a one and done at Illinois. I truly believe that. I've been saying that for a long time. I would not be surprised if he is. If he isn't, you're looking at like senior year Ty Rogers, 
junior year DGL, um, sophomore year Merez, uh, Hansberry, Sincere, Goody's still there, and then like Jeremiah Fears in the fold as well. And then who knows what's going to happen with like the portal and things like that. I just I really like the the additions. I think Jeremiah is a great player. He's going to be really good at Illinois and things are looking really good for like Illinois right now. Like with the, with the play that they've had this year on the court, I think things are looking good. I think that with the recruits that they have with Merez Johnson, Jeremiah fears, Jace Butler's been improving, shooting up the rankings. I still think I'm going to butcher his name. Jaskis, Jason Jaskis, I believe that's how I'm going to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. I think that he's a project that could maybe be something. I see, I see glimmers of there. So I mean, when you talk about trajectory of programs, I think you're feeling good about what's going on in Champaign. Trajectory of program, which one would you rather have? Illinois or Purdue? Which one would you rather be a fan of today? You get both where this team is at this season, but you also get where the future is headed. Mm. That's, that's tough because I like the guys that are coming. I think I would still lean Purdue, but it's close. Okay. Okay. Because you're, cause you're getting so – like you're getting proven like Braden back. You're getting Fletcher back. You're getting yeah. TKR. Uh, I like the class they got coming in. Uh, Harris, Hetchings, guys taking uh, – guys like Heidi, uh, Colvin, Paint. Like I, it's tough. I love the trajectory of both programs, but I think I would lean Purdue. Yeah, I think it's hard to pass up two years of Braden Smith yeah. for anything Illinois currently has. I mean, we love Illinois' roster, but just that's two years of that is like I think the most valuable thing there. Um, so let's play Illinois future game real quick. Um, two years from now is when Jeremiah Fears will be in uniform. Mm-hmm. There was some speculation he could reclassify. You don't believe that's going to happen? Yeah, from everything I've heard, it's looking like he's going to just stay. Okay. In 25. Um, first off, do you think that's a good move? I actually do, yes. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm always team don't reclassify if you're a point guard or just a guard in general. Don't do it. Um, just just play it out. Play in your class. Uh, so two years from now, let's flash forward. What's Illinois' starting lineup? So you would have you would have senior uh Ty Rogers. Mm-hmm. You would have, I believe, obviously Sincere Harris is still there. You would have a potential fifth year Luke Goody. But everything else from the current rotation is not there. The other options would be junior DGL, junior Amani Hansberry junior Nico Moretti or anyone else from the incoming classes of the next two years for Illinois or transfers. I was going to say, there's always a chance there's a transfer, but I'm going to play the just players now and recruits game because with the transfer thing with Brad, you know, he's not going to hesitate to add someone uh, if if needed, but I think I would go. I think I go DGL at point, Luke Goody at the two, 
Um, Marez at the five, Ty Rogers at the four. And I know I said I'm not playing this game, but transfer wing shooter. <laughs> you had Goody at the two? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd rather Goody at the three and get like a guard transfer if that's the route you were going. Well, if that's the case, then shit. Give me Fears, DGL, Goody, Rogers, Marez. Yeah, I don't. I don't dislike that whatsoever. Um, yeah, I think my projection of what it will actually be, the only thing I feel really confident, Ty Rogers starts as a senior. Yeah. I would If they can get a fifth-year Luke Goody, you should take it, absolutely. I don't know if that's actually logistically possible or not or if he'll want it, but if you can get it, it on paper for me, give me Ty Rogers, give me Luke Goody, no-brainer starters. Then I think whoever's better between Amani Hansberry and Merez – start as the big uh, there's been a lot of people projecting to me that Amani's going to be a four long-term and he's going to play next to a true center. My pushback to that would be, I don't believe that Brad's Brad is going to try and play two bigs. And if you want to define Amani as a guy who's not a big, I'm open to listening to that. I know he has some perimeter game. Um, I just think what has made his best Illinois teams very successful outside of Kofi, obviously who was transcendent, has been the ability to not play traditional pigs or at least have a lot of shooting around a big. There's always been shooting at the four. And um, to me, that that's going backwards. If you're playing Ty Rogers in a lineup with two other big men, that would not make a lot of sense to me. So uh, also, like, no offense to Monty Hansberry, who I know he's been battling injury. I do believe in him as a player long-term for sure. He showed some really good things this season. It's really hard for me to project him seriously as like a 30 minute guy in the near future until he starts playing basketball. Like yeah. I just, I think that's like some Xavier Bookerisms where it's like, yep. Killer, killer, killer. It's like, can we see him play before we project this dude? Cause like he's not playing. If he was that good, he'd be playing. Um, so yeah, back to mine would be Ty Goody. Whoever the best big is, I'll say it's Merez. I think I think Merez is going to be a killer, and he's uh, Amani's going to be off the bench guy for me. Um, I think Jeremiah Fear starts as a freshman. Uh, so in in this world, I think both of us did this. Are we bumping Ty to like the four? Yeah, I would have Ty at the four. I would have Merez at the five. I would have Goody at the three. I think Jeremiah Fears is at the one, and then I get best player available and if it's honestly the nice thing with ty is like you could get a stretch four who's a killer and ty can slide down and that still works or you can get a shooting guard who's a killer and ty plays the four and it works as long as it's a player that can shoot i don't think the position matters too much with that build yeah senior year ty is going to be such a a great piece yeah. for brad to have like just versatility wise yeah um you had dgl starting I did. As a junior. Mm-hmm. Okay. You would you if he starts, is he a point guard? You don't think it's like fears and him share the backcourt? I think it would just be like a, a guard situation. Like it's just both of it's just it's fears and DGL. Who do you think's a better player two years from now? Junior DGL or freshman Jeremiah Fears? I ooh, that's I mean, that's tough. Like three years of college experience basically. Yeah. Um, 
I would probably give the edge to DGL. Okay. Does DG in this little hypothetical fun world? I think they both start though. That's the thing. Does DGL starting as a junior for you? Doesn't that require DGL starting as a sophomore? Probably. Well, I I I tend to believe anything that any anyone says via tweet, and he told me he's staying. So yeah. Okay. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm, I'm following the thought process of how we get to starting point guard DGL as a junior, and I think step one is starting guard DGL as a sophomore and, or just or just play DGL as a sophomore or or playing um but yeah I, I think that's almost a prerequisite if that's going to happen might happen though I, I mean on paper DGL might be a starter next year we'll see I would like to see it because I think he's really talented but yeah. all right congrats Illinois good good win on Jeremiah fears uh third topic today Carl. I want to talk about Indiana and Mike Woodson's comments um so Khalil Ware and Mike Woodson Looked a little rocky at times earlier this season, but over the course of the year, I do want to give them both some credit. There were serious concerns about Ware coming into Indiana of like, what's his motor like? What's his character like? He flamed out at Oregon and nobody really knew. Like we knew this was an NBA talent, but in general, all the question marks were between the ears and how hard is he going to play? Uh, Mike Woodson, I thought was a really good fit for a guy like that because you can show him the Trace Jackson Davis example of how he, not that Trace had the same concerns, but Trace went from a good player as a freshman to an elite player as a senior. And where I think over the course of this season has been an overwhelming success. Like I think the Khalil Ware experiment at Indiana has gone better than I thought it would on paper. Um, his shooting numbers are pretty good. He's blocked a lot of shots. Like overall, he's been a very, very serviceable player other than some injury stuff where he's now missed two individual games. That's it. He missed the Wisconsin game and he missed the Kennesaw state game. Other than that, he's been like a 30 minute guy every single night. Been really, really good. With that said, Woodson notably threw him under the bus after the Purdue game. Like that was kind of eye opening because um, I don't think he needed to like Zach Eadie's just Zach Eadie, man. He He's going to get his and Eadie, honestly in that game, didn't shoot the ball great. Like he, he was under 50% from the floor. I honestly thought in where's 26 minutes, he did a pretty good job on the best I'd player. Say, in the country. The yeah. And you get to the podium and Mike Woodson is just saying, well, I thought that Khalil could do a better job on Zach, but I guess not. It was a very pointed criticism of one of his players. Um, now you fast forward a week. Khalil does not play against Wisconsin due to injury. And uh, in the presser this week before the Illinois game later this week, Mike Woodson was asked about how do you match up with Illinois if they like to go small. And he said, well, we got a couple big guys. Like we got Malik, who we know is down there. And uh, we got a seven-foot center if he wants to play. Odd quote. Uh, I, I quoted it immediately. It was just like things are clearly rocky here. It's a very strange quote. Now, if you watch the full presser, there is a full two to three minute clip of Mike Woodson discussing specifically Khalil Ware and the strides he's made and the injury he's going through. He spoke about him in a very positive light. So let, let's be clear about that. Part of this press conference included Mike Woodson directly talking about Khalil Ware in a much more positive light. But this sentence was weird. It was a weird way to say Khalil Ware's injured to say 
we'll see if our seven footer wants to play. That's a very weird thing to say about the guy you just criticized a week ago. What did you make of Mike Woodson's comments? So, you know how I like to use a phrase, like you got to coach certain players a certain way. Um, and part of great coaches is understanding that there's so many, that's, that's one of the hardest parts of coaching is that you have 15 guys on your roster typically. And for the most part, all of them are going to have different personalities, different icks, different things that push them over the edge, different things that get them to play a certain way. That's, that's part of coaching. That's what makes it so hard. That's why I respect all coaches. Um, outside looking in here with, Kalel Ware and everything about his history and who he is as a player. Obviously, like you brought up uh, before I uh, I grabbed the mic here, um, really none of that has has caused any issues this season. I think he, him and him and Woody have had a really good relationship and it's led to good play by him. This just seems like an odd comment to say about a guy who uh, the season's in a dumpster fire currently, I think, and saying this comment just adds to the list of issues i feel like like you got cj gunn getting ejected you got xavier johnson hitting people in the nuts and playing bad and getting flagrant fouls now you got now you're saying now you're throwing out quotes out there that or wordings out there that kind of imply that you know if Where like if Where wants to play like where's everyone's mind gonna go when you word things like that now obviously like you said he cleared it up with positive comments after that but it's just like it's another it's another notch in the totem pole of the Indiana basketball season in a negative way. And it's also just becoming Woodson's MO to like say very, yeah. like very harsh criticisms in a very pointed, weird way. Um, and not that it's, this one was not nearly a criticism the way the, the Zach Eady post game comments were, but like, it just feels like every Woodson presser right now is like must watch. Cause he's going to do something unorthodox. Um, I, I don't get it. I think it's a little odd. Uh, I, I do feel like in general, you know, this is the body language PhD stuff coming back out. But, like, this Indiana team feels like a disaster in a thousand ways. Like, Xavier Johnson has gotten the the harsh end of it from Woodson in the pressers this year. Xavier Johnson has been a complete disaster. He's falling off a cliff. I don't even know if you can play him anymore. Where I assume and I hope that Ware is just going to come back full strength and play well in Illinois. And this is all pointless and we move on and we forget that we even talked about this. With that said, isn't there at least a world where Ware shuts it down at some point this season? Yes. Like where where was the one guy in this conference that was a projected first-round pick? He had to just show what he can do, play 30 minutes a game, show he has a motor. He's already done that. He's already done that. If like if Indiana's season is going off a cliff, what does Khalil Ware have to gain from trying to play through injury? Like, and I'm I'm not saying I think that's what's happening here, but if all his concerns are real concerns, and if you if you believe the people who were in the locker room last year at Oregon, I'd be a little concerned that might be where this is headed, and I'd be concerned that Mike Woodson is very pointedly kind of hinting that that might be what's happening here. Also, don't want this lost in the shuffle at all. If I'm Khalil Ware, I am shutting it down. By the way, <laughs> I would have been. I would have been shut it down. I, it wouldn't have even got to this press. I would shut it. I, like I, I'm shutting it down. My six year point guards giving me zero zero zero. My coach just throwing me under the bus. My ankle hurts. I got I got Trey Galloway and Gabe Cups out there with me. CJ Guns elbowing people in the face. Uh, like like why. 
I'm good. I'm yeah. I'm, I'd be good. Yeah, you're not even getting the cool Nike gear anymore. You're getting Adidas gear. Like that's yeah. that's tough. Um, I don't know. At least for Woody, like you got Peyton Sparks, so you can still go three bigs. That's fun, right? Like you don't even have to worry about it. Where's not there? I need to go back and watch Peyton Sparks at Ball State because if I didn't see him, if I if I didn't hear the folk tales of him at Ball State, I would just I I just that man trying to shoot layup sometimes is a, a wild experience with him trying to draw fouls and just like smoking lays. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing for me on this, uh, there were a, a few Indiana fans that jumped on me in the mentions quickly when I tweeted what I tweeted last night. Um, I think I, it was either inside the hall or assembly call or one of those Indiana things. And I, uh, I quote tweeted it and was just like, yeah, this like Woodson and where things are fine. Uh, yeah, a lot of Indiana fans jumped on me and were just like, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Can't believe like a media member would do this. Like, be better than this, Greg. Um, we just say this, man. Like, this is coming from a guy who had to do similar defenses of Juwan Howard like a year ago before I finally just waved my hands up. I was like, I'm going to stop doing that bullshit. Uh, if you as a fan need to like publicly explain what your coach meant, to defend him, the coach messed up. Like you don't, not everyone has to like explain what this means. You don't have to be cryptic in press conferences. If you're a good coach, who's just like doing the right things, this is a non-issue and we're not talking about it, but Woodson's weird. Woodson's been doing weird shit. The comment was weird. And the only interpretation of the weird comment not being weird is Indiana fans trying to put crimson glasses on to paint it in the best light for Mike Woodson. And I get it. It's okay to do that. But don't tell us as unbiased people that it's not weird because it was weird. It's a really weird set way to say he's injured. You know what's not weird? He's injured. Just say that. Like, if, if you wanted to say that, we don't talk about it and there's no issue. Instead, Mike Woodson, who just threw where under the bus six days ago, said if he wants to play. That's not a slip up. That's not a weird way to say he's injured. That's a choice by Mike Woodson. And uh, my coach does a lot of weird shit in press conferences too. My coach stinks. I've stopped defending it at a certain point because you shouldn't jump through hoops to defend your coach who's putting a horrible product on the court and doing horrible things in the pressers. So that's where I'm at. Indiana fans agree to disagree, but I thought it was a really weird comment. Um, Car, you want to move to one big thing presented by Bigby? Uh, oh, oh, wait a second. What do I, we have I here? Thought we gonna, I thought we were going to make it through today's episode without this, without Dion coming back on. What do we have here? We welcome to the show Dion Hill Ford, uh, third consecutive day now of our resident Niners fan taking on our resident Lions fan. Uh, Dion, how are you this morning? A lot better. Uh, I think I've defeated allergies. Hold on, that's a lie. That's. <laughs> defeated allergies also also third day in the same hoodie that was a lot that was a lot that was point blank a lot <laughs> okay so you two are both having personal demons and personal adversity to battle through today uh before you jumped on the show Dion carter was uh in a very weird spot he came up with a uh, a theme for my daughter's first birthday that's what he opened his morning with uh then he got a good laugh in at the expense of the dallas cowboys but right now, the only thing we all seem to agree on is that, like, everything's turning up cart. He hasn't lost anything 
including his men's league games, including Michigan State, including the Detroit Lions in like a good three weeks. Does that scare you at all? No. Uh, so I'm an absolute lunatic. <laughs> and I believe in I believe in all the karma. So like like I, I don't believe that I can win. Like if I win too many bets, that means something's gonna go wrong. <laughs> and I can't win a bet. Cart can't lose. That means that's gonna flip. Okay, counterpoint here. I've been very, very locked in on doing the right thing as of late. Like I do that in general, but I feel like I've been going above and beyond lately. Like I shoveled my neighbor's driveway and like iced her walkway for her while doing mine as well. Like that's, I feel like I'm earning it. You said San Francisco has bad weather and then just said that you shoveled your neighbor's driveway while you were icing it or something like that. Okay, I don't even doesn't, know doesn't San Francisco <laughs> have bad weather? Compared to the rest of California or compared to the rest of the country? Compared to the rest of California. Like I went there, it was windy, it was smoggy and like nasty. Yeah, I mean, some of that is due to like stuff we probably don't want to get into on the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if we really look at it in a in a microcosm in a bubble, like the bay is cooked. Like the warriors are on the downtrend. Like it's just it, you're you're holding on to this hope of Brock Purdy, but it's just time to let go. Let go of the second year quarterback who was an MVP kid. <laughs> that that's that's more of that's more of a a black eye on the league that they let Brock Purdy be an MVP candidate. Yeah, so I do agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, all right, everything's coming up. You have you considered our IHOP bet at all? I still need to formulate it somewhat. <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> Wait, okay. Actually, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So I know IHOP, they got obviously House of Pancakes. They got all different kinds of pancakes, right? With you being the favorite, I think it's only right that the pancakes that you eat need to be a little bit heavier than the pancakes that I eat. Now, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that all of them have to be, but my I think approach here, Greg, please be on my side and don't be my mental warfare. You got to understand, I'm right. I'm I'm both of yours. This okay, week. like okay. I I am Team Dion. That's a blood oath. That's not a like we haven't chosen this life for each other. Like. I am his, he is mine, and if he's a champ, I'm a champ. It is what it is. And with the same time, like, I'm a Detroit Lions fan through and through, but I can't look you in the eyes and be like, I am yours, Carter. That's not how this works. Yeah, never want you to do that. Um, So, <laughs> Dion, is it a pancake takes an hour off? Is that the challenge? Yeah, I mean, I'm so, so I did just Google IHOP closing time within my city, and I, um, listen, my neighborhood's bougie. So our IHOP is not 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's open till 10. So what I'm willing to, like, we could do like a 12-hour challenge. Okay, let's do a 12-hour challenge. But the pancake only takes 30 minutes off. Yeah. And your pancakes need to be, I'll let you pick but they need to be ran by me, but they need to be heftier pancakes, like some pancakes with something on them, like some some cinnamon strudel pancake, many, I don't know, something crazy like that. How many point pan, uh, favorites are we, six or seven? I think six. So what if my first six pancakes are chocolate chip? I need something else besides chocolate chip. I need something on top. Oh, that's not heavy? 
not heavy enough. No. Yeah, I'm not a huge pancake guy, so I don't know what that like. I don't know where heavy comes in. What if we throw like whipped cream on top? I don't know. Okay. If you want to make it really torturous on each other, uh, the the torture would be no syrup. Oof. Ah, that's all. I I I wouldn't want to do that. Okay. (laughs) Because no, we'll do it like this. Your pancakes have to be chocolate chip. And the first, the first five, no, we'll call it six. So you're six point favorite. The first six you eat, you can't use syrup. That's fine. Um, I will say this. I just got swindled, didn't I, Greg? No, I just, staying in an IHOP for 12 hours isn't difficult on either of you. Like this, this bet has lost its luster completely when it went from like, you have to be there from midnight till noon the next day to just like an evening at IHOP. <laughs> I mean, I could also bang like 24 pancakes and be out of there pretty quickly. Yeah, honestly, I feel like like so the 24 hour challenge, I I estimated I'd be there for at most four hours with two of those hours being in the bathroom. (laughs) I think you guys should rethink the bat. I mean, this is fine, but I feel like there's something more torturous. Like uh, is there is Red Roof in a thing in California? Mm hmm. I think the loser should have to stay in a red roof in for the number of nights that is the number of points that the team loses by. So oh, I love that. It's good, right? It's good. This could get ugly. I, I, like, hate that. <laughs> I hate that. I mean, imagine like Cart just can't can't go home to his wife for four days. He's at the red roof in because the lions lost by four. I'm more, more I'm more worried about the red roof in that's by my crib is I'm not making it past the second night. Do, do you guys have like March Madness like plans by chance? That you obviously can't discuss, but could you hint at we we, we think we may, but we don't have anything locked in stone right now. So the loser has to caddy for the winner. At some point during uh, March Madness. Ooh. Caddy. Okay. And, that, and if the include, travel doesn't that, work, that, we can does like. That include, does that include walking the 18? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We walk no, all 18. No push cart? No push cart. Like, you you have my water bottles in the bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I say I need a turkey sandwich, you reach in, you bring it out. Like, <laughs> <Canada>. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, I like that a lot. We could like, obviously, springtime. The weather isn't the greatest, so we could pick a different time to do it. But either way, like, I have yeah. one counter. Well, only feel free to do that because that's a great one. One counter, loser has to buy the winner a Super Bowl ticket. I don't hate that. I say no to that. This is what I want to counter <laughs> on. You got to do a you got to do a beer a hole too while you're catting. <laughs> I'm in. I think yeah. well. Listen, if if the three of us are linking up and one person's caddying, I would like to think we're probably doing a beer hole regardless. <laughs> I have such a twist on this. Like I want okay, it's a it's a beer hole. Caddying, yes, all of that. For every bogey made, the caddy has to like eat something. Like, like it gets harder and harder based on the poor play of the person you're caddying for. So, like, your life depends on the player playing well. <laughs> Wait, so you want them? You want yeah, them? Yeah, like you're well? you're the caddy. It's the same way. Like, if you watch the the, the Netflix show, like the caddy's lives depend on the golfer. 
like that. We might need to we might need to do double bogey instead of bogey though, because like bogey feels like a pretty good hole for cart. Shit, so does triple. <laughs> yeah, we can we can adjust the scale, but I just want to do like I don't know. We'd have to have the food ready there, but it's like if if a bogey's made, like you got to eat a chicken tender. All right, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna agree to the caddy the caddy game. We're gonna agree to that. We're gonna have some behind the scene discussions to get before we get pen on paper. Yeah. But the caddy bet is on. Let's go with that. So and that means there's this bet's never happening then. <laughs> because this this bet has the out of like, oh, we'll just wait till July and then it'll never happen. <laughs> Good chance. Who knows? <laughs> no, we'll make it happen. Uh there's always the US Open. Imagine like imagine cart caddying for me at Beth Page Black. <laughs> so just prestigious course it would be really really <laughs> incredible um last thing i want to ask dion uh i saw a graphic that was made this morning there are three quarterbacks in nfl history to win 14 games in a season with two different franchises peyton manning tom brady jared goff your thoughts uh he's not loyal <laughs> got traded have you seen Jared Goff's girlfriend? Yeah, she's a smoke. Any thoughts? Like, does that scare you? Does that does that make like any any change on how you view Jared Goff? Um, no. I think uh, I think the more annoying the wife, the more likely you are to win a Super Bowl. Mahomes is Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> I think Giselle is kind of annoying. So Brady, <laughs> like the list goes: Stafford, Kelly, like. Not a Mrs. Not a Mrs. Manning fan. Is there a Mrs. Manning? I thought the whole oh she was the one that got the steroids delivered to the house that Peyton took allegedly or whatever. <laughs> like she was I've the one that did the that. House. You ever heard that theory? No. Uh, what? So you're not far enough down the Reddit rabbit hole. What's Brock Purdy's significant other situation? I'm pretty sure. Like I don't know this to be a fact, but if I had to guess, it's like a high school sweetheart. She was on the volleyball team. He was on the football team. Type of thing. So that's advantage Detroit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, listen, everything involving the quarterback situation outside of the fact that our receivers and running backs are just always open is advantage Detroit. Yeah. Greg, go ahead and give me my second point. I'm up 2-1 this week. Yeah, that's 2-1, Cart. It's a, Come on now. A, a critical Come on part. now. I feel like I did most of the work today, though. I'm not yeah, you did all the work. All the work. All right. Well, two two rounds left. We'll see uh, if Dion makes his return on Thursday and Friday. Let's do our one big thing presented by Big B. Dion, what you got? Yeah, so um, one big thing, athleticism in college basketball. I need someone to make me a list of, like, teams that are athletic versus not athletic. So I bet on Kansas-Cincinnati last night. As anyone can imagine, I bet on Kansas. Uh, I watched the, <laughs> I, I watched uh, them play West Virginia, and I'm like, oh, they're just going to punch Cincinnati in the mouth because they got, they got beat by a bad team. They're just not more athletic than Cincinnati, which blows my mind. That blows my mind. And I'm so sick of betting these games. It's the first time I watch a team, admittedly, haven't watched Cincinnati. And then I see a dude hit a Euro step dunk off like one foot. And I'm just like, this isn't how this is supposed to go. <laughs> I can get you that list too, by the way. Yeah, no, I need it. I need because if if I bet Cincinnati and they lost by 20, but in the first play they did like a pro hop dunk, I'd be okay with it. Like I just, I'd be okay knowing I bet on the more athletic team. Yeah, I mean, one of their key players' names is Jizzle James. Yeah. And they have a dude named like Day Day Thomas or something like that. 
<laughs> I was shook. I was really shook. good. It's really good. Honestly, since he might be one of our teams this year, Dion, we got to talk about that. Uh, all right, Cart, one big thing. Uh, my one big thing. Are you guys slipper guys? Yeah. Like no, like house <laughs> slippers. Wait, never mind. Not, not in the house, but outside all the time. Okay, yeah. so I've always been a slipper guy. Um, I've been one to skimp on the brand of slippers, though. Like I'll look for like an Amazon deal on slippers and like just cycle through them because they don't last that long. A pair of good UGG house slippers are extremely underrated. Now, the one big point of my one big thing right now is that there's a very large contingent of people that say you're supposed to wear your slippers with no socks. Like you're supposed to just go feet into slippers. That's not okay in my eyes. Um, Why would you do that? It's furry. Your feet might get hot and like sweaty, but apparently UGGs are supposed to like combat that. I, I'm not with that. So two things for my one big thing. One, go out and get yourself a pair of Ugg house slippers. 10 out of 10 slap. With that said, wear socks with them. Thank you for attending my one big thing TED Talk. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Honestly, if you could ever give a TED Talk, that'd be electric. What do you think your TED Talk would be about? Uh, probably how the world would be better without white people. Love to listen to that. Uh, my one big thing is uh, I listened to the Lil Dicky album that is the soundtrack from Dave, and there's a couple bops on it. Can we acknowledge how, like, I was jokingly saying, like, I would get rid of white people, and then you follow that up with I listened to a Lil Dicky Dave album and it had some bops? Uh-huh. Yeah. Also, if there were no white people, I would also kind of half disintegrate like like Thanos did when he snapped his fingers and shit because I'm half white. But that's for another day. That's also a very Carter move by me. Can't hear it. <laughs> Can't hear it. How? <laughs> Down the street to Harrison Ave. Summer's Dang over it. back to class. Way before I had a sedan. Here's the bus stop and then glance. That appears and then bam. I saw Britney for the first time. I was in the trance. Who the hell is this? New chick I never met. Was friends with Boy cooking. All right, that's the show. We'll be back on Thursday. Goodbye. All crazy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.